We're throwing off the filters of tradition and culture to discover what the Bible really says about relationships, relationships with God, with ourselves, and with others. Welcome to this episode of Relationship Truth Unfiltered. Welcome, I'm Julie Sedenko here with Kim, who has a story of hope. She was in a brutally destructive marriage, a victim of serial infidelity and emotional abuse. Kim, welcome to our show and thank you for being here. Thank you. I appreciate that opportunity to hopefully give some encouragement to some women out there. Take us back a number of years ago when you were in this horribly destructive marriage and tell me a little bit about what made it destructive. Hmm. So I, I, I have a memory of getting up every morning and as I was driving to the workout place, being in mass confusion, trying to figure out what was going on because I always knew something was going on. I just couldn't figure it out. And so that was, that was a big part of my marriage. I found out 30 years in, it had been full of infidelity the entire time and uh, mainly anonymous infidelity, which is the details are really disgusting to even share. But but that I found out 30 years in. And when you say, <clears throat> when you say anonymous, you mean anonymous like people? Prostitutes, people he met on airplanes, one night stands. And you had no idea at the time no. that this was going on? No. And it had happened our entire marriage. Did you, were there clues that you feel like looking back now you were ignoring or was he just really good at hiding this? Um I knew I knew there was lots of inappropriate behavior on his part. I found porn a number of times, and I knew he had a lot of flirtatious behavior with other women. And I would occasionally find some, you know, some note he'd written somebody that I thought was odd or off. But that was it. Give Nothing. me an example. Like you'd find a note that said what? Oh, he'd have he'd have coworkers that would want to meet with him over lunch to discuss their dating life. Well, that doesn't sound like any kind of normal behavior. No. Or um, one time he, he'd met somebody on the airplane and they had sent him a book to read. So he's having this conversation with somebody on the airplane and they sent him a book to read called, uh, I married the wrong person. So he was meeting air people on airplanes and having you know, that kind of discussion. And then he was, he went back a few times to, to where he grew up and, and hooked up with an old, I don't, know, I don't know if she was ever even a girlfriend, but hooked up with her. Um, but I didn't know it at the time. I just knew he didn't want me to go back to where he was from. Because he, I never, I couldn't go back to where he was from. Oh, really? No. Did you ever ask him why? Yeah, but it was always just, it was always shaming me for even asking or he, it's the strangest thing, but he just didn't, he wanted his own, he wanted his own life where he grew up. He wanted, I think he, he had this identity with his old life that he was, you know, this Mr. Popular, um, could charm all the girls. And so he liked that life and he'd go back, he'd go back on business trips and you know, stay a few extra days and party it up. Now, I'm going to ask you something, but I want to be clear that I'm not saying this in any way to uh, shame you or 
say that you were wrong or bad or dumb or anything mm -hmm. in that manner. It's more to help our listeners who may be in a similar place recognize maybe they're thinking the same thing. So what were you thinking when you got these notes or you found these notes or what would you tell yourself that justified it? Because many people would find a note like that and I mean, they'd kick him out or they would react strongly, but you didn't. And I'm just trying to understand your thinking or your processing of that. So, so sometimes I would react strongly. Most of the time, I think I just tried to hide it, like to not deal with it, not, not hide it, but to sort of push it down and not deal with it. Um, I mean, here's an example of another story that he, there was some, someone had come to visit church. I can't remember how they came as a visitor, but this, the female was very attractive. Well, he decided he was going to start studying the scripture with her and taking her out for lunch. And my sister-in-law at the time called me and said, Hey, that is not right. Mm -mm. That he was, so there was, there was just, I think there was so much behavior like that. It's like almost, I couldn't keep up. Was it, it scary for you to maybe open your eyes and admit the truth? No, I, here's my gut. Here's what my gut tells me is that I was, I knew if I said, if I bring it up to him, I would always get told how awful I am for even thinking that. So I would get shamed and mm -hmm. thinking how, and then I would get the silent treatment. And I mean, here's another example. I mean, it happened all the time. Waking up in a hotel room, my children or I are all sleeping in the hotel room. He's awake watching TV and I hear him kind of move in the bed and stand up. Well, I, I, I wake up and I see on the TV this incredibly pornographic sex going on. Just mm. unbelievable. So with my children in the room, well, I, th I lost it. And I was so upset with him and went to Disneyland with my kids the next day and him. And we could never discuss it. We could never discuss it because it was always like, oh, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Yeah. Tell me what that was doing to you inside. Well, so even preparing for sharing this today makes makes me shake. I can imagine. Mm -hmm. Going and writing Pirates of the Caribbean with some guy who is supposed to love you and honor you and be faithful to you and you wake up to porn in mm -hmm. front of you and your children. That's incredibly horrific. Mm -hmm. This went on for how many years? Oh, it happened the entire marriage. And you were married for how long? 40 years. You've, you've been divorced now for how long? Three. Okay. So I, you know, and I, I, I think there was a little component to it as well, because I grew up in a very conservative church where divorce, you know, you get told divorce is wrong. And to the point where I was, even, I, rem I remember even hearing, even if he hits you, you can't divorce him. Really? So, yep. Yep. And what about infidelity? Because isn't that the one out that you have? Well, so when, when, he, when this all came out 30, uh, when at, after 30 years of marriage, he was, he, he confessed that he really got caught, but he confessed it. The details of that, I'm not sure I could even share on the show because they're so bad, but he confessed it. 
And I thought, okay, now I know what's been going on. And he was, he was going through all that. He went through sexual addiction therapy and had all this accountability. So I had a lot of hope for it, for a marriage thinking, okay, now it's finally going to turn around. Yeah. And it looked like it was for maybe, maybe a year, but it wasn't. It, and, and the thing I can look back now on, look back on see is what happened is that all the things he had, the way he treated me before, all started to show back up. Hmm. Where I was the one at fault, where I was given the silent treatment, where I was, you know, I was always this, too much of this, not enough of this. And so he was just treating me the very same. And hmm. so it's like, I should have known he's back to his old ways of, of doing things. But again, he was so good at hiding things that I just didn't know. And I, I found, I found a few pieces of evidence. So I had enough to know he's still in the behavior and combined with figuring out my whole marriage had been an abuse. <laughs> so it just, I, I can't even explain how, why it took me so long, except I think I was truly shamed. And he, in doing this, put you in danger as well. I mean, physically, I'm sure you had to go through testing and oh, yes. all kinds of things, which yes, is humiliating as well. Very much so. Very much so. It's a horrific story. My youngest daughter had had found out she's pregnant. She's given up a baby for adoption. It's heartbreaking. Mm. So I can hardly take it then. And then I'm, so I'm not doing well with just that information. Then I find out my mom has breast cancer, um, trying to deal with that. And then, on, and then I knew something was going on with my, my ex and I found a secret email and I found he was Googling massage parlors and I asked him about it. And his words to me was, I would never do that to you. So again, I was shamed into thinking, oh, I'm wrong. And he, I'm just overthinking this. And then he came home one day and wanted to know if I had a rash and I did. And so it was, it, thank goodness it's not, it was not a, a, a well, it's considered an STD because it came from what he got from someone in a massage parlor. But I had to go to the dermatologist and have it treated. And But the thing I think that got to him that, that time was my grandson had taken a bath in our bathroom and used that bath gel that night. So I think that's probably what got to him. I don't even know what to say. Mm -hmm. The level of betrayal. Well, here's what happened with that story is that <laughs> this had to be Satan in my head, but I thought, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to leave a legacy of faithfulness for my children by staying in this marriage. And yeah. I got so many pats on the back for that. So many pats on the back saying, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you did this. I can't, you know, so then I'm like, oh, that was the right thing to do. Well, it wasn't. Your church was telling you it was the right thing to do. Isn't yes, that right? Yes, what, what was the counsel that you would get from your church? Well, I don't really getting, remember getting any counsel from my church. I did have a Christian male therapist who I believe probably got me started getting out. Uh, he gave me the book, The Gaslight Effect. Mm -hmm. so he could see, I mean, he tried every which way to help my ex and it was just, it was a losing battle, but he, he did tell me at the time, Hey, you can leave at any time and you, and you have every reason to divorce anytime you want. 
Um, the only thing I got from my church is when I decided to finally divorce. My former brother-in-law was the pastor of the church, and he told me that if I needed to listen to this other couple at the church, and if I didn't, it would show how hard-hearted I am and that my life would be cursed. So that was what I got from him. Oh, wow. You would be cursed. Mm -hmm. My life would be cursed. Sounds like it already was. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. So there was a lot of confusion in this 40 years. You talked about it earlier where you you didn't know he was sleeping around with people. And, mm -hmm. you know, there were little clues, but then you'd be guilted out of it. So you were constantly trying to figure out what's wrong. I know something's wrong. Mm -hmm. But there was also this dynamic, you said, where he'd be nice to everybody else, but he wasn't nice to you. What did you mean by that? It was the strangest thing. Like, like this is a goofy example, but he, like he wouldn't, he could never tell me he loved me. He just didn't. And I was like, well, why doesn't he tell me he loves me? And then I would hear him on the phone with my niece or somebody and saying, I love you. And so, and then he'd just be willing to go bend over backwards to help people out. I mean, here's another horrific story. He had what I think is probably an emotional affair with somebody from church and when I discovered it and went to talk to her, he told me that I needed to be something about kind to this other person because what if she's suicidal? So he's more concerned about the person he had the emotional affair with than he is with me. So it's just, I mean, it was just, he would be like, I would come, you know, you'd come home behind the four walls with him and he's a way different person with me than he is out there in the world. He's just, Mr. Good Guy, he can pull it off. And he couldn't, he he just didn't do that with me. Once in a while, I mean, he could be in a good mood. It wasn't like he was never in a good mood. and We didn't have some good times together, but he was Jekyll and Hyde. That's how I would describe him. What would a typical evening look like? He watched lots of TV, a lot of inappropriate stuff, but he'd and then he'd stay up late at night by himself and I'd go to bed. So we, were, we weren't even like, we just weren't together. We really just weren't together. I didn't particularly like watching what he wanted to watch on TV. So I would be doing, you know, doing something else or, or and he traveled all the time. So it was like he, he was just never around. Hmm. He had, you know, he had all these opportunities to achieve because he traveled so much. And I know at one point you did try to divorce him, but you also had this belief about keeping your family together. Tell me about that. I think partly because I was raised in a conservative church, really conservative. There were some really good things about it, but there were some things that I think totally messed me up on how I thought about marriage. Um, and then the church that I was in with my ex for a very long time, it was even more sort of a cult church, I guess, is the way I would describe it. And we were taught that, you know, this ranking of God first, man second, woman third, and then the children, that's the ranking. And so our job for as the women were to be supportive of the man. And my, you know, I just think I thought, I thought if I kept my family intact, that was what God wanted. And, and you felt that the kids would actually be protected. Is that right? Yep, I did. And I think I did more harm by not by 
staying as long as I, because my children witnessed enough harm to know that there was some bad stuff in the marriage. One um, of your I daughters was, even voiced it. My youngest daughter, um, I remember her telling me, she said, mom, dad talks down to you. And when he does, it makes me think I can talk down to you too. It's pretty intuitive, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Have you done everything imaginable to help your husband see and change his destructive ways? I'm going to guess that hasn't worked very well, has it? But what if there was a biblical way to love a destructive person without enabling him to destroy you? See, sometimes people say things that sound a lot like the truth, but they're actually lies. Leslie's Walking in Core Strength program is specifically designed to help you think for yourself, discern what's true and what's false, and make good biblical choices. Core Strength will teach you to identify beliefs you may have that keep you stuck. Core Strength will help you get honest and stop pretending things are fine when they're not. And Core Strength will empower you to understand what you are and what you're not responsible for. Friend, you can't make him get it, but there's plenty you can do for yourself. This small group coaching opportunity will show you how. It's open now for a short time. Go to lesliebernick.com forward slash group coaching to sign up. Why do you think staying was not good for the kids? Well, I think, I think for one thing, they witnessed so much harm. You know, they were around when there was, you know, when I found porn or they knew about some of the cheating. Uh, they didn't know very many details, although I think my son knows some of them. But I think in the end, I stayed so long, I almost lost my sanity. Yes. And my children saw that. So I was not doing well at all during that time. Can you, if you're willing to share, what did that look like? Well, I couldn't, I couldn't get my words straight. Um, my one daughter was calling my sister to say, what is going on with my mom? My children thought maybe mom has a brain tumor or something. So I, I was, I was kind of like hysterical. I just couldn't, I just couldn't keep it together. So my ex had been always part of his accountability was to have uh, covenant eyes on his computer for porn. Mm -hmm. And he, he got, he'd quit work. He was always quitting work and retiring. There was always some story around that, but got a new computer. And I kept asking, would you please, please put covenant eyes on it? And he wouldn't, he wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it. And I, I was like, okay, how, what am I going to do to get this to happen? And finally, I decided he was going to have surgery the next day. And I said, okay, I want to take you to surgery. I want to be a support to you. In order for me to do that, I need you to have covenant eyes on your computer. And that's all I said to him. And I didn't get, I went and ran errands that evening before. He didn't say anything. And I came home and he'd written this long note about shaming me for having covenant eyes and needing him to have that. And shouldn't I for, you know, forgive and forget. And he repented and he's not doing that anymore. And he said, but I will get this version. It wasn't even covenant eyes. It was some other version he found, but I will get it, which I kind of laugh at thinking about it now. If you will read the book about I'm the same, I'm my, my mother, a daughter of a narcissist mom. And I'm like, no deal. So what did he do? He called my youngest daughter to come and pick him up at four in the morning to take him to surgery. And I just, 
thinking I just lost it. So I called her up and said, well, here's what, why I'm not taking him. And I gave her some instances of what had happened that I knew for sure in the last year. And that's why I'm not taking him. So my children all thought, well, mom's losing it because he could present himself as this kind, you know, generous man. And meanwhile, I mean, you're falling apart and look like the crazy one. Yeah. And I mean, here he's on, he's actually, believe it or not, he's on a board for a nonprofit that gets women out of sex slave trafficking. Shut up. Mm -hmm. are, he, are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. Well, I guess he knows right where to find him, doesn't he? Yep. <laughs> yes. That <laughs> is crazy. Yeah. That's the life I was in. Oh, yep. Kim. Well, let's get to uh, the better part of your story. You actually <laughs> found Leslie Vernick. You, you found her book first. Is that right? I did. I was doing a lot of searching online, trying to figure out what the heck was going on. I mean, I was looking for borderline personality disorder. I was looking for all the answers, thinking, what is this? And I just stumbled across that book and ordered it and um, started reading it and started underlining and thinking, oh, my word, this is my life. Mm. This is my life. This is what's been going on my whole life. It's pretty eye-opening, isn't it? Yes, very much so. Yes. And it not it wonderful to have to read a Christian perspective that isn't saying, well, you're bad because you're not forgiving and you're not forgetting and you're not submitting, mm -hmm. but saying, no, God does not care more about your marriage than you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you to read those words? Well, I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, it was a, it was the beginning of a very, very painful journey because yeah. I had to come to the conclusion that, okay, this, this life is not sustainable in this marriage with this person. I will not make it. I will not make it if I stay with him. And, but it also kind of gave me a, a map um, of the first steps to start, start making some move forward in my life. Yeah. But that's that is it's not easy because you have given 40 years of your life mm -hmm. to this man to this marriage. So it is not an easy thing to leave, even though it is destructive. Oh, I thought of every which way to, to do it. I thought, well, maybe we'll just share a house and we'll just, I mean, we'll still have, you know, still have our family. It, it was all about family. And the silly things that I thought of at the time is I, you know, I hated to give up holidays together. Yeah. I mean, just so many traditions, you know, I, that we'd had. And um, I just think finally, finally, I think I was just brought to my knees that this is not working. And I remember clearly at my daughter's engagement party, it was a group of people we'd had for her engagement and looking around the room at my children and thinking, oh, we are not, we are so not together as a family. And it's time, and it's just like, it's just like God speaking to me to say, it is time to give up. And I don't know what, if I, if I worshiped marriage, but I think I did. I think I worshiped marriage. I think if I thought I could keep marriage intact, then it was all going to be okay. And I looked around that room and finally just came to the conclusion that it was not okay. Hmm. You got into some of Leslie's group coaching programs. Is that right? I did. Mm -hmm. What did you join? Yes. 
I was in empowered to change and also in the no more people pleasing groups. And then did you go join Conquer as well? Yes. Okay. For five five years I've been a Conquer member. What was some of the big aha moments in your learning in those various groups? Um one of the things I think especially that I really appreciate about Leslie is the fact that she teaches it from a Christian perspective mm-hmm. and about how she wants us, even in the deepest pain and worst hurt that could really happen to a human being, it's still appropriate it's still it's still a good thing to act appropriately. Mm-hmm. And I think as women we get we get so caught up in that stuff, we become like the evil that's being done to us. It's really easy to become like that. It's so easy because, I mean, look what he was doing to you mm-hmm. and the anger and the the righteous anger that you would have. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gandhi would have lost it. You know what I mean? But yeah. that's when you end up kind of becoming destructive yourself or there's that danger. Well, for sure. And, you know, my, my, my children, again, I was to the point where I was not doing well at all emotionally. And so they witnessed me being, I think I, I think I, here's what I think I thought my children would support me in it. It was probably the birthday before this all happened. Again, my ex was out of town. He was never around for that stuff, but my kids all were with me that evening and they were all sharing with me how, how much they appreciated me staying married and after all this infidelity. And so in my mind, I thought when I shared with them, I was now leaving that they would support me. Well, they didn't. Mm. They did not. What was that like to want to finally leave and get healthy and look for that support and not have it, especially from your own children? You know, I think because I had put all of my value in this world as a mom, because I didn't feel value as a wife. Mm -hmm. So my value was really about my relationship with my children. And so it, I mean, that was almost not, not worse, but as bad a pain as the getting out of, of the hell that I lived in was, but then I've kind of come to realize, okay, they have their own journey mm-hmm. and it's okay to give them time, to figure things out. If it took me 40 years mm-hmm. and I'm just now waking up to it, it might take them a while too. Um, Yeah. I remember, this is a story, I mean, something just came to my mind. I remember as a young mom being in a women's Bible class, and they're all sharing about how as women, we get our value from our husbands and not from our kids because our kids don't treat us well. And I remember sitting in that room and thinking, that's not how I feel. I mean, it's just not, even that was early in marriage. That was just, that's not how I feel. I don't get any value from my husband. Well, and... No, even if you have the greatest husband in the world, if you're getting your value from a relationship, that's messed up. So true. And so what I have recognized all of this, and I'm trying to be careful because now I'm married to the the most wonderful gift that God could ever have given to me, Mm -hmm. but to realize that God needs to be my Lord and Savior and not a human being and not rely on someone else to step in and rescue me. Well, and you did get married, was it almost a year ago now, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. I want you to speak to that because I'm I'm so happy for you. And you finally found a man who treats you the way God meant for you to be treated. 
but I know that there is this desire. I think it's innate in all of us to want to be loved and cherished and married to a wonderful person. What would you say to a woman who is thinking about divorcing with the goal of finding that Mr. Perfect? Well, I think when I was divorcing, I wasn't thinking about getting together with somebody at all. In fact, when I first started this online dating, I just thought, okay, I think I feel like getting some clothes on and taking a shower and meeting some people. And that's really all it was. Mm-hmm. But the most interesting thing happened. So he, he and I met online and had a few discussions, like, you know, texting and then call phone calls, and then we're going to meet. But the week before we met physically, before I met him, I had two dreams. And I think they were from the Lord because one, one dream he was standing between my ex and myself. So he was protecting me. And the other dream, I was running to him to meet him. And here, this is a man I've never met. So I just feel like it was. And he, we both feel like just a gift from the Lord that we've been given this chance to. It's the craziest thing. So I don't know if that's what, I don't know if that's what God intends for all of us getting out of a destructive marriage. I think, first of all, he, intense for us to get out and realize our values are in our just ourselves as an individual as a daughter of the king um but i think my story included well i not think i know it included this person that loves me like i didn't i did not know it was possible to be loved yeah. i think it's just important to know that getting out of a marriage is about your safety absolutely first, yes and not about um, happily ever after with somebody else. And if God brings that eventually, that's wonderful. But number one, you want to get safe and you want to get whole and healthy so that you're able to choose a healthy person. That's right. Yes. Compare and contrast a little bit your previous marriage with your current marriage. Oh, night and day, night and day. I am. I, he, he wants to be with me all the time. I'm just not used to that. Someone that enjoys my company. If we have conflict, he comes close to me. He doesn't leave me. And if I say, no, this is how I feel, he said, then he accepts how I feel. He, he, he doesn't ever correct me about my, uh, you know, all the things I got corrected by my ex about, you know, he told me I was, when we were first got married, I thought I married somebody sweet. I never get told that kind of stuff. I get told over and over how much I'm appreciated, what he loves about me. It, it's just it's just night and day. I'm still kind of squeezing myself thinking, how could this have possibly happened? But it sure is good. So give me any other lessons that you learned through the conquer, the empowered to change, the walking and core strength coaching groups that really helped you prepare and be healthy for this new marriage. I love all the things that she had her, all of her steps. Yes. Walking in core, all those steps of getting out and gaining clarity. I think that's so important because it teaches us a new thought pattern of how to do life. Most of us living in abuse have been caught up in this, um, mass confusion. So it's hard to get a, straight thought in our, in our head. And it teaches us how to look at things appropriately. And so I, I pulled out my homework, um, 
from Leslie before I started on the podcast today. And it's just, it was a big reminder of how much work I did, but how important it is to do the work. And so Leslie's yes. got great step by step by step. on how to Yeah, get it's, it's, that's such a good point, Kim, because I think it's easy to join a group and get on Facebook and make posts about what a crappy husband you have. Yes. And that is helpful sometimes because you need to know you're not alone and you need women to, to comfort you and everything, but there is so much more mm -hmm. to conquer and to the other coaching groups. There's real true work that you get to do on your own that has nothing to do with your husband. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I, I taught my, my daughters growing up that they were a whole person all by themselves. I just failed to teach myself that. And so that's part of what I believe Leslie is teaching us as, as females, that we're a whole person all by ourselves. We don't need someone else to define who we are. Kim, if you could offer one piece of advice to a woman who is listening and in a similar situation that you were, what would you say? Don't be afraid to open your eyes to the truth. And I would say, take all the time you need to make a decision. I had a friend that would tell me when I would call and say, what do I do? What do I do? And she would say, you will know when you know. And finally, I knew when it was time to get out. But, but don't be afraid because kind of like when we have a baby, we know it's going to hurt really bad going through labor is it hurts and it's messy and it's scary mm -hmm. but at the end there's this precious new life and mm -hmm. having come out the other side of it that's how I feel now mm -hmm. I have this precious precious new life that I did not know was this good just to keep it real it's not a perfect life because I don't think you could go 40 years in a destructive marriage without having some issues with your thought life, with your self-esteem, with um, some of the patterns that you developed. Talk about how maybe some of those issues come up even f now and how you're able to deal with them. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know if this is, if this is, True, but in some ways, I feel like I'll be working on this journey for the rest of my life. I feel like I'm a little more, I'm more aware now of what is going on, but sometimes I have to be aware of the next day. I may not be aware when this thing happens, so I still deal with triggers. Uh, the things, mm -hmm. the two things I kind of think are my main theme things that get to me are, am I enough and where do I belong? And so that comes up and that, that comes up in my marriage now, not because of something my husband has done, but because of what I struggle with, but I am a more, I'm more aware of it and I can look back and think, okay, this, that was me thinking I'm not enough. And then having to kind of go back through the whole process and tell, you know, talking to myself and talking myself through it. But, but you have the tools to be able to do that now. Absolutely. And I still read a lot of books. Um, listen to a lot of podcasts and have a lot of, you know, support people in my life. Kim, thank you so much for sharing your story and offering hope to our listeners. Is there anything else that you would like to add? My hope, my hope and goal with this is just encourage women to know that there's 
possibility of goodness on the other side of this. Amen. Thank you for listening to Relationship Truth Unfiltered. Don't forget, Walking in Core Strength is now open. Go to lesliebernick.com forward slash group coaching to sign up. Until next time, may God bless all of your relationships with Him, with yourself, and with others.